Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Here in the Northern Rockies, dark winter months are outlasted in basements, dens, and nooks, where kindred souls gather together to share intel, swap fly patterns, and relive the memories from seasons past. This gathering spot known locally as the February Room is the inspiration for this podcast. No matter the season, the door is always open to those with a fly fishing story to tell. Brought to you by CD Fishing USA, the North American distributor for composite development fly rods and accessories. 40 years of Kiwi ingenuity and graphite technology now available at cd-fishing.us or your local CD USA dealer. Follow us on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. And remember to go fishing. Here's your host, the Carnops, and this is the February Room. If you're listening to this podcast, it's because you've been bitten by the bug, the fly fishing bug. And once you've been hooked, you want to know everything about the world of fly fishing. Today, you are in luck because my next guest is a fly fishing guide, co-founder of the Guide Relief Program, and the Marketing and Communications Director at Montana Freshwater Partners, as well as an ambassador for a truckload of fly fishing companies. Welcome to the podcast, Kinsley Scott. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Well, and like I was, we were talking about earlier, there's, you just embrace so much about the fly fishing community. Um, and I know that we have a lot to talk about today, but before we get into all of these great organizations and um, your steward to the waters that we all love, I would love to hear a fly fishing story. Yeah, absolutely. So I thought on this for a while. The first story I would love to start with is really kind of what inspired me or I guess what ignited the love of for, for fishing. Um, I was nine and my folks and I, my family, were on the big island of Hawaii. Uh, we used to, we were fortunate enough to be able to go there often. And my dad wanted to take the family out and go deep sea fishing for the first time. You know, us being from Montana, we had never experienced anything like that. So he actually had a friend that was a captain. So he took us out on the boat. And, you know, not only did I at nine uh, catch, you know, tuna and have this amazing experience, uh, my dad was fortunate enough to hook and land a 539 and a half pound Pacific blue marlin. Um, and I just remember my dad tells the story much better, but me at nine, I'm on the upper deck, you know, for safety. And he's an hour and a half into this epic battle. And, you know, we almost have this Marlin in and the captain's freaking out the whole boat, you know, it was just absolute chaos. And me at nine, I'm up on the upper platform and I'll never forget my dad turned around and I gave him two thumbs up. And just after that, he landed the fish and it was like, you know, one of the most profound moments we experienced as a family. And my dad now, 
being in the 70s, you know, it was such a prolific uh, thing to witness and such a beautiful fish and by no means did we necessarily want to take its life but the captain had other plans. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> in order to honor and commemorate such a special experience, my dad now in his 70s has a huge blue marlin tattoo on his forearm. So, wow. <laughs> yeah, so that was kind of the, you know, the... Um, the, the beginning the, of everything and the passion and uh, of fly fish. Well, I guess, was that, was that fly fishing? No, that was on gear. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, yeah. But really just kind of, I think that's really what sparked my, you know, love of the outdoors, my love of fishing, especially um, just to see such a beautiful creature and to experience that with my family. So, yeah, that was it was very profound. <laughs> Do you ever feel that like with holidays coming up, as especially as somebody, um, you said that your dad had the blue marlin tattoo on his, but like when gifts come up, you're like, oh, if you see a blue marlin at a store, you're like, I'm going to give this as a gift. Cause I love like, I mean, I love fly fishing. So now I have like hats, I get a toy mm -hmm. fish, you know, like, don't you find gifts tend to be like, um, geared towards the things that you love so is that something that you're like oh i'm gonna get my dad a blue marlin set of deck of deck cards to play with oh absolutely and my dad's <laughs> thing like even in the picture i sent it to you to you know use in uh the podcast and even in the photo you'll see my dad his signature for the last i would say 50 some years has been hawaiian shirts he always wears Hawaiian shirts. He has no other shirts besides Hawaiian shirts. So anytime, totally, anytime my family and I can find a blue Marlin Hawaiian shirt, I think he has like 60 of them. He doesn't get rid of any either, so. Oh, that is classic. And now, I mean, but now like what used to be kind of a joke in like 10 years ago is now like, I mean, those Hawaiian shirts have come back and it's like the cool uh -huh. thing to be wearing. I, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it, that's what I, that's what I think. Everyone's probably listening to this podcast. Like, I don't wear Hawaiian shirts. I'm like, I've seen some of those. I've seen some of those Hawaiian shirts. Um, whatever, whatever tickles your fancy. Yeah. But Kinsley, your home waters, you were born and raised here in Montana, correct? Yes. I'm actually sixth generation on my mom's side, Montanan. What? Are you like all in the Madison area? Um, so I'm actually from Helena. So I grew up on, you know, the Missouri and that whole area of the world. And actually just a super quick, quick uh, tidbit on my family. Uh, on my mom's side, Major Colbertson was the founding member of Fort Benton, Montana, which was the uppermost reaches of the steamboat travel on the Missouri. So he was the one that you know, put a flag in the ground and said, this is, <laughs> this is Fort Benton, Montana. Oh my gosh. I love Fort Benton. I had to do a, sh <laughs> I had to do, I was helping out with a PBS show and it was about a girl who makes rocks in Fort Benton. Um, <laughs> not very interesting, cool. obviously, but what was interesting was Fort Benton because, um, very historical. You have the Fort, like when we say Fort Benton, there's an actual fort mm -hmm. there. And um, isn't there like I was it, it was I was told that Fort Benton is the first city in Montana. But then Stevensville's like, no, that's us. And they're both like, no, <laughs> it's me. And they're both like, you're wrong. Isn't that like the biggest like the yes. biggest argument within the state? Yes, 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 it was. Uh, and then Bannock also, too, comes in. But that was technically like the first territorial capital. Uh, yeah, that I'm I'm not. I'll let them duke it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, I have to say I'm so jealous that you're like the sixth generation because so many times, you know, my family ended up kind of stopping in the Midwest and a little bit of the mm -hmm. East Coast. I'm like, why didn't you guys keep moving west? Like, there's some mountains <laughs> over there. And so I think it's just, um, and especially probably with Yellowstone, you know, I think everyone's mm -hmm. probably like, why didn't, why didn't my parents, like, make the travel? Obviously, we're a little bit of little sissies on my, on my <laughs> main family, but... <laughs> You're here now. Like, That's all that matters. You're here that now. Is, that is all that matters. Um, and now that we are here, I would I would love to hear how did you get into the being a fly fishing guide? When did that <laughs> bug hit you? Oh boy. Um, I don't know if it was necessarily like a bug, 
But I do remember a point where in which I had this light bulb go off that was like, wow, you could actually do this for like a living. Um, but I would say, you know, the guiding part of things, I moved over to Missoula from Helena in 2008 to go to college at the university. And I was studying physical geography and resource conservation. Uh, so, you know, I was outside all the time, a lot of field classes, things like that. And in the summer, uh, the summer actually before I started going to college and attending the university, uh, I was looking for jobs to try to find something seasonally. And I got hired on with a kind of dude ranch uh, here based out of Missoula, which I'll leave I'll leave nameless. <laughs> it wasn't the best experience, but that's a whole other story. But oh, um, we've all, we all have jobs like that. If you don't have a bad seriously. job, then you didn't really get out there. Too you didn't do it right. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, yeah. And so I was hired on by them to be an outdoor guide. And at the time, the way that they had the company structured, you know, you'd go from like doing a you know ATV ride to uh, either rafting or fishing, you know, and regardless whether or not you really knew how to take people fishing or it was kind of more selling like the whole Montana or the idea of Montana and the experience. So what, I was 18, 2008, and I did that for, let's see, I think a season and a half, if not two full seasons uh, to try to pay for college. And then it wasn't until I believe it was 2010 when I walked into a up-and-coming fly shop and at the time was not open yet and 2010 I was 20 and I met John Herzer and Terry Broglin, owners and outfitters of Blackfoot River Outfitters and it Great wasn't people. until oh the best seriously yeah. and it wasn't really until like they took me under their wing that I had the realization of, oh my gosh, you can actually do this for a living. So not only was I going to college, but I was working for Blackfoot and, you know, really going through the process of um, learning, you know, not only the guiding aspect of things, because it's one thing to be able to fish and then it's another thing to be able to guide. And then it's another thing to be able to guide and row a boat <laughs> and do it safely. Yes. And so, you know, their influence, their expertise, their direction, their mentorship, along with a slew of other guides at the time, uh, you know, really helped me become and, you know, start my path to, to what I am today. So, yeah, I guess it's kind of the evolution of me becoming a guide by no means when I was in college or even teaching for Rick Rats uh, in the geography department did I think I was going to be a guide. I was actually on track to um, get my PhD in physical geography. Um, wow. And which I still possibly might do, maybe in conservation, we'll see what the future holds. But um, I just, I loved it. I love being outside and I love being able to wrap conservation and ecology and all of the things that I love, but also call my office the rower seat. I mean, I also feel, though, like with having like your background in geography, that you have more of a really passion when it comes to the river and the land mm -hmm. around you. Like that makes you yeah. a great guide to be historically accurate when you're kind of like talking about <laughs> like where where people are fishing and you can like really look at the, your surroundings and be like based on, you know, mountains and areas and rivers and channels like and mm -hmm. also on that note, I mean, you do you're not only just a fishing guide cuz I actually before we even go into the organizations, are you still steel cuz you also steelhead guide or are you taking a break from that? taking a break I don't want to say I'm retired just because it uh, it's just it's a very sore subject but um, as many listeners may know you know steelhead whether they're summer or winter run fish they've had a really hard go in the last mm -hmm. you know decade the overall trajectory is down um, and so you know I, I'd say I'm retired until the populations when and if which I hope they do uh, come back to a healthy level that I would feel ethically um, okay with guiding and utilizing that resource again. So yes, I have <laughs> and did uh, in Washington State, um, but at the moment I'm based here in Montana. And yes, I do a lot more than just uh, 
guiding these days. <laughs> yeah, bef- I would love to. Let's kind of maybe talk about um, the Montana Freshwater Partners with your work with them. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So Montana Freshwater Partners uh, love, love the team. So it's super, super cool um, organization based out of Livingston. And it's actually a team of all female scientists and specialists. And I know it's awesome. Was that purposely let's make this a whole women or did it just like turn out like that was just the, the hand that was given of the best crew were all women? Yeah, I think it was just, uh, you know, serendipitous that it yeah. happened to be all women and each, you know, each part of the team, each cog in the wheel uh, is their own specialist and, you know, and scientifically uh, specialized. So it's a it's an outstanding rock star team. Um, and so essentially what Montana Freshwater Partners I'm the marketing and communications director for the organization. And what the team does is we we're kind of we're multifaceted, but uh, we were the first organization in Montana. We just celebrated 10 years. So woohoo. (laughs) (laughs) And we were the first organization in Montana to essentially formulate and implement what we call channel migration easements and in lieu fee programs. So channel migration easements, it's an agreement that works with private landowners to allow the water systems, water resources to essentially go about things naturally. So it's, we're trying to be the least impactful on water systems. So through federal assistance, we go in and we're able to essentially offset any loss that a private landowner may occur, uh, say like, you know, during runoff, during flooding, we allow the river to go and say, retake a channel that it hasn't taken in a hundred years. And we're able to monetarily offset that with landowners and working with them. So that's kind of one thing, <laughs> the, wow. the long and the short of it. <laughs> and then, uh, in lieu fee program is another, uh, program that we offer. And I'm, I'm not going to go too much into it, but, um, it's another monetary assistance. Uh, so essentially, to wrap Montana Freshwater Partners up, we <laughs> specialize in restoring and enhancing wetland loss. And we essentially go in and try to offset any wetland loss due to development. So we're all about restoring and enhancing Montana's water resources. And that's across all of Montana, not like a specific uh, region in Montana? Across Montana. Yep. We have projects or we have and have had projects from every corner and every, you know, facet in, in Montana. What was one of the biggest projects for you personally that you saw um, that you worked on that you're like, wow, this was like a big success. Oh boy. Um, well, two, I mean, there's two right here in our backyard. Uh, we worked, uh, and did restoration work up Miller Creek, uh, in the South end of Missoula. And then we were also a consulting factor. And that's another thing that we also do. Montana freshwater partners is, uh, technical consulting. So we were a technical consultant on the rattlesnake dam removal. So that was super cool. So yeah, to right in our, our backyard. Um, and then countless others, like right now, one of our ongoing projects is the, um, Bozeman Inderlin wetland. And that's through this in partnership with the Sacagawea Audubon society in Bozeman. And so in kind of the heart of Bozeman, um, there is going to be a massive effort, collaborative effort, uh, to restore a wetland area that's been set aside. And so that's a super cool project and definitely more to come on that. Well, I think it's like such an important project um, overall in Montana because we are seeing a huge Mm -hmm. uptick in people wanting to move here. Um, And with that is, you know, more recreation, more development. And we Mm -hmm. really need to be conscious about um, the wetlands and just the um, our water system around us. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard 
you know, you always kind of think about whose job is that? Like who's in, it's really great that there's a group that came together and was like, hey, let's be consultants. Like, let's go out there and be the voice for these waters. Because if we don't say it, who else is going to, you know, fill that space? I always think about that. Mm -hmm. Like, if we aren't creating these organizations, then who else is going to come up there and start saying like, hey, we can't make sure that development isn't going to be taking over this area because they all interlocked with each other. So I think that's just such a great, um, I still don't even know how you do all of this on top of your guiding. <laughs> and and then also, I mean, the guide relief program, um, can mm-hmm. you give a little bit more information about that? Because I think that I've never heard of that before until actually COVID really hit. Yeah. I was like, oh, that was yeah. a great resource for a lot of people. Yeah, Guys. so that's actually when, yes, that's when we <laughs> first started you know, laying our foundation. We we got our start, our conception during COVID. Um, so I am co-founder and director of outreach and guide services for the guide relief program. And so back, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, we'll call it February, March, when the economy was shutting down. And for us as independent contractors, you know, that was the the uh-oh button, you know, I mean, that was, that was a very scary time for everyone and especially independent contractors. Cause us as guides in Montana, you know, we waive our rights to, you know, um, employment benefits, uh, such as unemployment benefits. And so at the time, you know, it was a very uncertain, uh, moment for, for guides in Montana. So, my co-founder, Molly Simpkins, and I kind of put our heads together and started a resource center for guides to come and to kind of navigate the red tape of governmental assistance. So we were able to, you know, work with Senator Tester's office, Dane's office, and kind of uh, make it easier to understand uh, all of the benefits that were available for guides. And so that's kind of where we started from. And we pivoted when the federal government allowed the assistance to be extended to uh, independent contractors, 1099s, right? So there's the financial burden uh, relieved off of us as um, an industry. So from there, we kind of pivoted and understood that there's still a lot of gaps and a lot of things missing in terms of guides in Montana and benefits. So now we've evolved and we're still evolving and there, it's just been such an amazing process. We've worked with so many amazing people um, and we have, you know, our, our base is growing every day. So now the guide relief program is kind of a, we'll call it a two armed in, uh, organization. So we're a 501c3, so tax deductible donations. And we have the guide relief fund So really going back to our roots, the Guide Relief Fund, we're raising money to essentially put into a piggy bank in the sky so that we are then allowed to and have the ability to allocate funds in the the form of grants to guides during times of need and crisis, whether it's personal or professional. So your house burns down, cancer, you know, you just need some help. So we were building that up as we speak to be able to provide financial relief. Well, also with the guide relief program on that side, we now are able to provide free mental health services uh, with our partners at BetterHelp to any and all guides. And so when we were first kind of conceptualizing all of this, it was specifically to Montana, but now we've been working with such amazing folks that we are moving to become nationally available. So our partners at BetterHelp were really pivotal in making that happen for us to be able to provide free financial mental health and well-being services uh, 24-7, right? Virtual. It's awesome. (laughs) So yeah, that was huge. (laughs) Um, Well, I just can't believe, I mean, kind of like going back to what I had said is that like there are needs for like Mm -hmm. development and people standing up for it but there's also a need for to someone to represent these guides because Mm -hmm. just like how we were just talking about the steelhead you're not going 
you're not going to take people fishing out there. That is also mm-hmm. loss of income for you. Steelhead is, uh, you know, and mm-hmm. I think having this opportunity to be like, hey, you know, let's respect the fish, but you don't need to fish for money. Like there's other organizations that will help mm-hmm. you to get through this slump and let's get our fisheries back to normal. Let's hopefully get those numbers up. And also mental health for fly fishing guides. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'm like giggling, but I think it is necessary. You can get guides get, I mean, just because I'm married to one, I feel like I can speak out to it. <laughs> but it's a grind, you know, sometimes when you're on the river 15 days in a row, um, and you come home and you're just like, hey, how did it go out there on day 15? Uh, mm-hmm. It's you give I think you give a lot of patience to your clients so that when you come home, your kind of patience is like wiped out. And to mm-hmm. have some uh, mental health where people are able to talk to you and like <laughs> maybe re- reestablish that that neutral zone, because, um, you know, I think that's what happens. You leave it all in the river. So when you come home, you're depleted. Absolutely. And for people to have access to it 24 seven and to no cost, you know, at to them, um, you know, really helps. And also, you know, a confident in confidence and a professional resource to help you navigate things is, you know, more than just even talking to your buddies, your spouse, whatever, and kind of just unplugging for the day. You know, it's a very constructive way to not only talk with someone that's professionally trained to help you, um, you know, to, to move forward and to process things, but to, you know, something that's not really talked about in the fly fishing industry is uh, substance abuse. And so to have the tools and resources to help, like you said, not only pull yourself, maybe it's, you know, a 25 day stint, you just need someone to vent to, um, but really long term health of guides, you know, that's, that's what our mission is based off of. Our mission statement is supporting guides on and off the water. So our fundamental motivation at the Guide Relief Program is to help guides professionally and personally be the best that they can be and succeed in an industry and do it well. I absolutely love it. I mean, that is that is been needed for a long time. And I know that there's a lot of guides. It's funny, someone even asked me one time, like, well, when do you, when are you gonna run out of guests? I was like, well, I have, <laughs> have you driven in Montana in the summertime <laughs> and you see the guide boat <laughs> drive by with like number like 25,000, you know, like there's a lot of fishing guides out here. And oh yes, um, as much as we, as much as I know they all do it because they love the waters, um, just like in any job, it does get taxing. And um, it's great that there's an outlet for um, guides to support each other. And also like there's an orga- organization, like you're just not an independent contractor, you're a group of ind- independent contractors mm-hmm. doing things together. I absolutely love it. Well, and we were also going to talk about too, Kinsley, because we're just going down the list because you just got so well, many Well, and I was going to say, I also, I before we <laughs> jump off the guide relief program, not that this is like a, you know, <laughs> shameless plug by any means. So the other facet of the guide relief program is the Outdoor Guide Association. So our 501c6 side of things. So guides can across the nation can join us and become a member and get access to benefits that they hadn't had historically never had access to, um, you know, I mean, aside from super affordable and comprehensive uh, guide liability insurance, we have everything down to like pet care, uh, discount vision and dental, um, free, free telehealth. Oh, yes. Our whole list of benefits uh, for $50, an annual membership will get you access to everything on the backside. Um, so we're essentially trying to supplement and add to guides lives and fill in the gaps. So you have access to uh, life insurance, accident and disability insurance, because um, we know, you know, you might blow your back out or your rotator cuff goes or what have you. Um, so for $50, our membership gets you access to all of it and 
gets you into the our our network. So yeah, I'll I'll give you all the info on that for oh, listeners I need, and guys. I, <laughs> um, I need this information. I'm like Justin. We've been doing the yeah. whole like, do we pay for dental insurance? So we've we've just been basically yep. like out of pocket because I've like done the estimates, but now I'm yep. like, well. I don't know if this is if this feels like we're saving any money. Um, yes. Just because everything X-rays, um, that is incredible. I need this information, <laughs> and I actually am a hundred percent positive that every guide has avoided doing dental vision, mm-hmm. and so um, this life is great insurance. news. Life insurance, <laughs> like listen yeah. to me. I'm like every time, I'm like Justin, mm-hmm. don't go be safe on the river. You know, like I need you Seriously. to come back. Um, cause yes. there's, and life is getting expensive. Montana's expensive. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are things that we, you know, we look at our accounts and we try and think of where can we skim, you know, at the end mm-hmm. of the month. And it tends to be skimming the things that we can't tangibly touch, which is like life insurance, um, yes. 401ks, you know what I'm saying? Like if I'm like, Hey, yes. what we need to pay for this, this, and this, like, what can we skim at the end of the month? And it tends to be those things that are not tangible at the moment, but will you <laughs> most likely need in the future so i think that is that is such um that is so wonderful and like i said i'm gonna have justin sign up for this as soon as we get off this podcast i'm like (laughs) please do yeah we're we're just really trying to again enhance guides lives and make careers feasible um in the the industry so uh we're just trying to add to all of the great things that already exist in the fly fishing industry and just like i said kind of fill in the gaps and give a little insurance and peace of mind on and off the water. So, man, yeah. I love it, Kinsley. <laughs> I don't even know. I mean, like I said, I think there's just opportunities for people, especially you, who just notice that these are things that are going on around you. You're, you understand your surroundings really well. And so, um, oh, I think guides talk about this a lot, but there's no action. Right. So, I appreciate right. you taking the time to meet the senators, talk to, you know, John Tester, Danes, like, let's get things rolling. Let's create this organization because there's so many of us. I mean, especially in Missoula, like guide boats every morning. You just need to go to like one of the grocery store at six in the morning. You'll see all 20 boats. Absolutely. And, you know, us going national, uh, you know, thinking outside of Montana, it is a huge industry uh, across the, yeah, across the United States. So it's, it's, it's good. (laughs) It's a livelihood for so many people, but it's also uh, could be a liability. And I don't Absolutely. think people really see that. So having something, um, the guide program, I think that's mm-hmm. that takes the edge off for a lot of guides. Well, we sure hope so. No, trust me, just talking to you, I'm like, this is making me feel a bit better today. It's a good Tuesday. (laughs) But so, and now we were were also going to talk about the Montana headwaters as we were talking about how you've gone to Danes and Tester. And we also have the Montana Headwaters Legacy Act that you are working on. Let's talk about that. Yes. So Montanans for Healthy Rivers, I've been involved with them since kind of the conception in 2010. Wonderful organization, people behind it. It's really a coalition of Montanans that have come together. And now our focus is on two grassroots uh, legislations for Montana. Uh, One is when has been introduced by Senator Tester. And that is the Montana Headwaters Legacy Act that could potentially protect and conserve 385 river miles under the wild and scenic, the federal wild and scenic designation in Montana. And that's mostly talking about waterways and watersheds uh, east of the Continental Divide. And the other piece of legislation that I hope, fingers crossed, would get introduced into legislation as well is the crown of the continent proposal which on the west side of the divide our literal backyard (laughs) rock creek (laughs) rock creek out of missoula is uh potentially protected underneath it Uh, montour creek the north fork of the blackfoot all of these huge sections in you know very very pristine ecosystems uh 200 river miles under the crown of the continent proposal could also be protected. So in total, we're talking 585 river miles in Montana, which would be the largest wild and scenic designation Montana has seen in over 50 years. So working with Montanans for Healthy Rivers, we are really trying to get this passed. And so 
I actually just recently was brought on with them in a more formal role. <laughs> um, and prior to that, I had, uh, I had created and developed a podcast, which is uh, the River, River Ramble podcast and guides edition. So I interviewed guides and outfitters from across the state in each proposed area or many of the proposed areas um, and essentially just chatted with them about why this legislation and protection would be monumental for these areas. And we're talking like the Madison, we're talking uh, these hallmark rivers across Montana could receive, uh, we're talking, you know, unprecedented protection. So and Kinsley, when you say protection, what does that exactly exactly mean? Yeah. So federally, the Wild and Scenic Act would protect these places from new and harmful developments. Um, for example, you know, the Smith River, even though the protection on the Smith River, the Tenderfoot, which is one of its vital tributaries, these areas could be protected even in segments but essentially what it would do is think of it as a snapshot, right? So as pristine and beautiful as an area could be, the wild and scenic protection would ensure that for future generations. So for example, on the Smith, even though the area that's being proposed to be mined in the headwaters is not up for federal protection, downstream would be. So we're looking at whole, it's not just segments of rivers or, or creeks, we're looking at, you know, even if we can get protection in parts, it's still going to be greater and preserve that ecosystem for future generations. That that makes sense. I just, you know, like when you say protection, I'm always kind of like curious, what exactly does that mean? Mm-hmm. And thank you for, for uh, clarifying that. What when you were doing all of these things, what drives you to do this? Like, why add more to your plate? <laughs> well, why why have one we could have four yeah, i'm genuinely <laughs> curious about this no i i mean the conservation side of things it's it's funny i always tell my mom i'm like look i'm actually using my degrees which is just like you know slapstick humor but <laughs> but really i think that what drives me and i i guess i do owe a lot of it to my folks they are the ones that instilled conservation and you know using and using a resource in a sustainable fashion. And my parents always taught me, you know, if ever you use something in the natural world, leave it better than you found it. So I guess that's just something that's been uh, instilled within me for, for my life. And, you know, as I've had the ability to grow my career in the fly fishing industry as a guide, I... And I've been super fortunate to have had, you know, such a great professional career as I have. I just, I always feel like there's something more we can do to better the greater good. And especially, you know, utilizing a fragile resource as I do as a guy day in and day out, I can absolutely give back to the resource. And I just, I don't know, there's always just that bone in me that's like, you can do better. There's more we can do. <laughs> I mean, you are doing, you are doing it all and then some more. And I just, I applaud you. And the fact that it takes for what you are doing to stand up and like be the voice of it all from guides to water. I just applaud you. I just think it's just, um, it's hard to take that leap because then you also put yourself out there like, okay, I'm going to be the voice. I'm going to be, um, informative and, um, and lay the facts. Now, if people are wanting to support, especially like the Headwaters Legacy Act, um, I think I saw, is it on Instagram? What can we do as people who are not um, in the forefront? Like, how can we support our community and also um, our the, the places that our rivers that we love? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, if you want to learn more, again, not another shameless plug, but, you know, tuning into the, the podcast, you can learn more about these places, uh, proposed protection underneath each and, you know, get firsthand 
uh, knowledge of these places. All of the guides and outfitters that I chatted with are immensely uh, knowledgeable in these areas, have beautiful stories to share, and it really just helps connect you with a place. Like it's hard for people to care about something if they don't have, um, you know, a, a perspective on it, right? Or like a personal yeah. experience there. So, you know, you're able to learn more about these places uh, through the eyes of guides and outfitters. So, that's, you know, one way you can learn more. Uh, you can also visit healthyriversmt.org. And there it has, uh, through Montanans for Healthy Rivers, the entire lineup in the Montana Headwaters Legacy Act. So the greater pristine, um, excuse me, the pristine greater Yellowstone ecosystem, again, east of the divide, uh, all of the waterways that would be protected underneath that. And then the crown of the continent proposal, again, west of the divide and, you know, our backyard, um, and all of the waterways that would be protected there. So you can learn a lot more on the website. And then yes, please, if you love beautiful uh, outdoor places, you love Montana and you wanna protect it in some of the most monumental legislation we have ever seen, please add your endorsement on the website, healthyriversmt.org. You can add your endorsement, so add your support and let's try to get this thing passed. The Montana Headwaters Legacy Act is in the balance in legislation. So the more support we can get, the better. Is there is Please. there a deadline? Is there a deadline for that? So we just had a meeting about this today. Got a little update from uh, Tester's office. So right now, kind of where we are at Montanans for Healthy Rivers, we're really trying to not only gain more of that advocacy support, uh, whether that's through endorsements, through you know financial contributions, just anything anyone can give to help get this passed, fantastic. So from the advocacy side, now we're really trying to call upon uh, Senator Daines and his office, as well as Representative uh, Rosendale, to, for them, for both offices and um, uh, cabinets, to give their endorsements on this to just, again, help push it through uh, legislation. So it's kind of where we are right now. Um, there is no deadline. But if you love Montana, we need your help. <laughs> well, sooner rather than later, because other bills yes. will be starting to be other yes. bills will be starting to be pushed to get some other areas developed and or mines or whatever yes. you know is coming up. Like those are going through. But if if we had that bill passed, there'd be no reason for anyone to create anything. You know what I'm saying? Like yes. no one would go like, hey, I I want to mine the Smith. Like how do I let me go put my form in? So if we just do it now we can just stop all of that all at once yes. by protecting the how many uh, miles 355 miles of 385 water? yes ah, geez, i know let's it's beautiful and i agree let's just get it done um i will be blasting as for that to happen and um anyone who will sit at dinner i'll just be like hey let's grab our phones it doesn't take <laughs> that's the thing it doesn't take too much though to do something like that it takes like five minutes it's you true. know and it makes it and every little bit counts right it's it's a collective collaborative effort this isn't going to happen just from one person overnight this is all of us coming together and it's beautiful eight out of ten montanans support the montana headwaters legacy act i mean how awesome is that so I we mean, need it's beautiful yeah yes the more we need everyone <laughs> well and you know it's it's interesting because it takes those moments when you're in montana and um, like you'll be, whether it's like hiking or the top of the mountain or you're on a boat and it's just really quiet. You mm -hmm. really, I, I love like looking around and I'll tell Justin this, I just think Montana is such a beautiful state. And oh, um, we, yes, we're so, we are so fortunate. Yeah, and um, I also, I never want to be someone who says you can't come here because I think that we all live in the United States of America. We, I'm not right. even originally from here. Um, but I think it's about respect and uh, mm -hmm. what better way of respecting the place that we love than protecting the waters. All three, and not even all of it. We're just asking for mm -hmm. 385 uh, miles, which um, I mean is a lot, but you know, there's could be even a whole lot more of waters that are around us um, that we could be protecting. So um, yes. I appreciate that. And I would love to hear Kinsley, just one more fishing story before we say, um, say our goodbyes. Yeah. Fishing story. I know. Let me, let me circle back around here. Um, I, know. I have 
Well, I had two in mind, and I'll like kind of mash them both together. Uh, they both are to do with steelhead, or have to do with steelhead. Um, the first one, I'm trying to think chronologically here. So the first one would be my 29th birthday. So it would have been February 26, 2019. <laughs> oh. uh, we always take a uh, fun trip in the wintertime around my birthday. And when I say we, my, my partner and I, um, who's actually now my fiance, which will be the second story. But um, <laughs> we... Congratulations, uh, Kinsley. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> I'm so excited oh, yeah. for you. Thank you. He's pretty fantastic. So, oh gosh, he's got to be. You're like the queen. You're so amazing. He's got to be just as equally amazing. <laughs> he's pretty awesome. I am jealous, though. He has more nicknames than I could even dream of having, and they're all really good. Man, really I good. Not, I haven't locked down a nickname. You know, I feel like I'm sometimes George Costanza. You know, if you're watching Seinfeld, you're like, you can call me yeah. T-Bone. And everyone's like, yeah, you're not going to get a nickname. I'm like, dang it. <laughs> I have a few, but they're not, they're not, you know, they're nothing I would essentially put on a business card. But yeah, yeah I, uh, <laughs> the first story that comes to mind is, so kind of the steelhead side of me, I, so when I first came over to Missoula, I think I got, intro I was introduced to spay casting, um, big rods on the Clearwater in Idaho, I think when I was like 20 or 21, and I just, I was obsessed with it. Um, so I learned all about spay casting. I would practice even in the dead of winter of, you know, at Frenchtown if it was not iced over and, you know, in the yard, and I was just obsessed with it. So anyways, and in my journey of learning more about it, uh, the Skagit River in Washington is like the holy mecca of spay casting in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, that's where Skagit heads were developed with a, a team of, you know, the OG of the OGs in spay casting. And so I'd, I'd read about the Skagit River and I had looked at it on a map. I had seen, you know, pictures, I'd watched videos and I just, I was enamored with this place. But at the time that I was learning all about it and the history, in the holy waters, it was closed to fishing because the steelhead, uh, the winter steelhead returns were so low and it was actually ESA listed, those fish were, uh, and I guess still are. Um, so fast forward though, again to my 29th birthday, I that was the first and only opportunity that I've, I've had the opportunity to go and experience that river, those fish genetics, and to, to fish it. and lo and behold, on my, on my birthday, I was able to connect with one of those wild unicorns, those wild fish. And I was able to land damn near a 20 pound wild fish. And I just, even still thinking back to, you know, holding such a special creature in my hands, it still just like gives me the goosebumps. And of course, as soon as I released the fish, I just started crying my eyes out. <laughs> it was just, Oh, it was just How was kind the fight? Oh, incredible. And it was just like kind of this culmination of everything. It was just such a, like a monumental point in my life that I was like, oh my God, I'm here. It's happening. <laughs> this is happening. Like uh, that point, that moment, that fly, like every, that oh. fish was there at the right. You just always wonder like that moment came at the right time, you know? I know. I know. For all the was, elements to connect too, you know? Exactly. exactly. Not just the right so time, that, the elements, yeah. Exactly. And that, that's kind of the first, you know, first part of the story. And then the second one, going back to the man with more nicknames than I could ever, <laughs> you know, possibly imagine have, having. Um, so this was then, let's see, well, I guess this past February. Uh, so almost a year ago to the day damn near on my birthday. Again, uh, we were on the Ho River and we were swinging. And of course, of course, Rick picks my pocket because that's always how he fishes which means <laughs> I'm swinging in front of him right and I come through the run and I'm swinging and I th I didn't even have a, a tick not even a bump nary a whiff of a fish or bottom for that matter and Ricky comes through and I think it was like on a second cast and he picks my pocket meaning he hooks a fish literally damn near right at my hip and no. I'm like of course <laughs> well so the deal was and this was a beautiful wild ho fish, I think it was like eight pounds, just not a scale out of place. 
And that's the fish and that's the run that then we named in the engagement rocks because that's the fish that we made the deal on. Whoever hooked the fish first was proposing because we've been together, I think we're six and a half years in. So that's the, that's the other super special fish, right? Is the fish that led to, you know, our, or I guess that continued our future together. <laughs> I love it. And also on that <laughs> note, are you getting a bunch of steelhead <laughs> like playing cards for anniversaries because you know like whenever you do like those big monumental moments uh-huh. you're just like it will now be solidified that you guys will be the steelhead couple you know oh <laughs> like, gosh I, <laughs> oh seriously yes present wise oh that is that's actually something i haven't thought about but you know what now that you mention it that's like the perfect we have like forever gifts now lined yes. out you know for here on out yeah and I just can't thank you, Kinsley. I mean, I just, you amaze me. You inspire me. Um, I'm going to get off this podcast. Well, and then first off, have Justin to sign up for the Guide Relief Program. Yes. Best way, yes. though, for people, because um, there's like, we have listed so many um so many programs and also what's the best uh, let's get some names out. Who can they be following yeah. um, and how can they be keep informed? Yeah, I would love, uh, I would love that. So yes, so any guides, uh, this goes to Montana and across the nation, uh, any guides that would like to become part of the Guide Relief Program and the Outdoor Guide Association, uh, please visit our website, which is guidereliefprogram.org. And you can learn more about our services, uh, you know, what you would get as a, a member. Um, and to if any guides across the nation, whether you're part of our organization as a member or not, if you need access to mental health, we would never turn anyone down. So if you need free access to mental health, please let us know. Uh, we're happy to, to help out. Um, and Guide Relief Program on Instagram, Facebook, uh, Montana Freshwater Partners, our important work that we're doing here in Montana. Um, we just went through rebranding last year in addition to celebrating our 10 years. And you can find more about our programs and the work that we do across Montana at freshwaterpartners.org. And lastly, Montanans for Healthy Rivers. Again, the podcast can be found on many and most uh, major streaming platforms and it's River Ramble Guides Edition podcast. And please, if you would like to learn more about the Montana Headwaters Legacy Act and the Crown of the Continent proposal, visit healthyriversmt.org and please add your endorsement. Go to thefebruaryroom.com where you can access a complete library of our podcast and read more about our guests, their fishing stories, and favorite fly patterns. We're always looking for exceptional fly fishing yarns, and if you have one to spin, shoot us an email at info at thefebruaryroom.com. The February Room is always free, but if you feel like throwing a nickel in the pond, we appreciate any additional listener support. For companies and individuals interested in sponsorship opportunities, please contact us for our media kit. Thanks for stopping by the February Room, and we'll see you down here next week.